0: Greetings, little one.
1: Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Bad witch. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife.
2: What makes you think she is a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt. A newt. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Not better. Dost thou comprehend? Welcome to real magic. A podcast at the crossroads of real witchcraft and Hollywood magic, where paganism and the supernatural meet their reflections in movies and television. And where we talk about what real magical or life lessons we can learn from fictional witches from 100 years of moving pictures.
1: I'll get
2: you mine pretty and your little dog too. <laughs> Hail to thee, witches and weirdos, and welcome to another episode of Real Magic. I'm your host, Jessica Mason, and I'm so happy to have you joining me for another episode discussing the pagan and magical in pop culture. Today, we're actually doing something a bit different, because while the work we're discussing has been made into many movies, though none of them really like resonate for me like the stage production, it's a work originally of the stage, created for a king, obsessed with witches, and bringing us not only one of the most enduring portrayals of witches on the stage up to Alphaba but a depiction of the goddess of which is herself, Hecate. Yes, we are talking about William Shakespeare's Tragedy of Macbeth, and I am so excited. To discuss this play, since it summons Hecate, I had to bring back one of my favorite guests who will you'll will remember from our episode on WandaVision, and that is Courtney Weber. Courtney is not only uh, one of the three co-hosts of That Witch Life podcast, she's an author and her most recent book is Hecate, Goddess of Witches. It is a fantastic book and I loved every page, so I had to summon Courtney on to talk Hecate on stage, but we couldn't talk Macbeth with just two witches, so we needed a third. So we're also joined by Courtney's That Witch Life co-host and a witch, a singer, a performer, and just an all-around amazing person, Hilary Whitmore. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. It was so fun. Um, we talked dramaturgy. We talked the magic of theater. We talked other Shakespeare plays. It was so fun to really dig into such a work that's so complex and so wonderful that we all love so much. So I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, something wicked this way comes. What are these? Live you or are you, that man may question. Speak if you can, what are you?
0: Thane of Glamis. Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor. hail Macbeth, that be king hereafter.
2: All right, welcome back to Real Magic, Courtney Weber, and welcome to Real Magic for the first time, Hillary Whitmore. Thank you guys. Ah! so much for- Hey, so exciting mm-hmm. to be here. In- enter three witches. Like, yay! We had to do three witches because today we're talking about Macbeth. Yes. And I- and we're not in any theaters, so we're going right. to say the word. Right. But I'm knocking on wood just to make no, sure.
0: It's it's fine because we're not in a theater and you can say it in a theater if you are in rehearsal for a production of Macbeth.
1: Mm-hmm. But if you yeah. say it otherwise. But yeah, you can't. Otherwise, it's trouble.
0: Otherwise, you're fucked. I mean, we can you're say fucked, fucked on the show, right? Oh, yes, for sure. OK. Oh, yeah.
1: I was like, uh oh, yeah, we
0: are. We are from that, <laughs> that witch life. So the language is very um, spicy. Well, so, I mean, so was Shakespeare's language, let's be honest, like a lot That's of true. it goes
2: over audiences heads nowadays, but there were just naughty, naughty things in Shakespeare, especially the comedies. It was all, oh, yeah. jokes all the way
0: down. Dick jokes, butt jokes, poop jokes, vag jokes. All of it. All of the jokes. All of the jokes. Oh,
2: it was great. Great stuff. So yeah. So let's talk before we talk about the play. Let's talk about the curse. So do you believe that Macbeth is like there's literally something magical about the Macbeth is it something we've empowered through our belief in it? Do you think that or do you think it's because of the, you know, people say that because Lady Macbeth summons dark spirits that that's when the reason the play is cursed?
0: Well, I I think of a few things. I think that that um I mean, Shakespeare c- came out of a time when people were incredibly superstitious.
1: Yes, exactly. And so
0: I think that I'm sure that the superstitions around this play probably have the ancient roots back in that direction and then um I do believe in the power of human belief to cause things and so you've got a good 400 years of people believing in yep. something it's going to yep. be problematic. Now on a very specific theater background technical level Macbeth is a bitch of a play. All right. And so there's, it calls for a lot of things that can be very difficult in theaters. It calls for rain and lightning and, um, and depending on how intense you want to get a lot of theaters like to employ smoke tricks and things like that, whenever you have ghosts on there. And in addition to that, it's just a very, some say that it's a flawed play and that some of the character like that, it's just not as much as we love it, like we collectively love it, that it's not one of Shakespeare's technically best written plays, because there's just too many questions that are left unanswered. And so it can be a difficult play to execute on both a, um, you know, on a technical, but also on a dramaturgical level, if we're just going to geek the fuck out real quick.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) no, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I've seen many productions Mm -hmm. and, not many have, have been done in a way that I felt was that great. You know, um, in fact, the, one of the best productions I saw of it was, uh, by a Spanish, um, company, uh, that was visiting from Spain over to, um, over to London. And so it was all in Spanish, which I used to speak better than I do now, but regardless, the acting was so good and it was, it was set in a modern context and it was executed so well. It was very graphic. I think it, I think it displayed, Like the darkness of that play, right? Really well, and and not in a uh, yeah. I feel I I feel like there are so many productions that I've seen that I was like, oh yeah, okay, like yeah,
0: it is is, (laughs) underwhelming, right? And it's it really all comes down to I think. Where the biggest mistake happens is in the portrayal of Lady Macbeth and it's so often especially if you've got a white male director um you know that that rests into the the crazy angry wife trope instead yep. of actually unpacking this um I saw a production of Macbeth that was directed by Erica Schmidt um who <laughs> hate to do this but this is how most people know her she is married to Peter Dinklage Oh okay. um, and so, but I and he actually credits her as she's the artist in the family and he's the corporate drone that pays the bills. So she <laughs> <do> her art. <laughs> um, and I actually met her uh before before Peter had all of his fame, and these two have been like soulmates for for Aww. you know decades. But um, she just did a production that was all um all young women, and she looked at it through the lens of what happens to. Of, of like this, this phenomena of young women that want to go out in the woods and get into trouble. And she says, you look at the crucible, you look at other, other, other stories where women or where young women go out into the woods and just kind of lean into a bit of hysteria because they're freed from whatever constraints are on them. You know, they're full of hormones and they just, and then she also tied it to, the kind of groupthink phenomena that can happen, especially with social media and talking about like the, the phenomena around slender man and how these girls, you know, it's so that it, she leaned into these girls letting kind of that cultish groupthink run away with them and, 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 and entice them to commit murder, which has happened in real life in recent events. Right. Yeah. Um, So it was all teenage girls at a Catholic school and then they have their ringleader who was the Macbeth and, um, you know, her her BFF, who's also kind of her girlfriend. And then you start to kind of get into race because the young woman who played Macbeth was a black woman and her um, she really explored like white fragility with Lady Macbeth. All of a sudden she couldn't handle. You know, the stigma, she couldn't handle the pressure, and she like laid a lot of the responsibility on her black friend, and then she just kind of exited scene le- exited stage left when she couldn't take it anymore. So there are a lot of themes that Erica played with in, in this production. It was really extraordinary.
2: And that sounds so interesting. Um I love productions that especially with the witches who are such an impetus for Macbeth and Lady Macbeth to do all yeah. the terrible things they do, as the productions that play with whether or not the witches are even real like, right are they in yeah. macbeth's mind and yeah like-
1: are totally i've always wondered honestly because i mean again i've seen this produced in a number of different ways but in reading it that's always been something that i wondered because mm-hmm. it i mean it it to me almost makes more sense yeah than than this idea that these witches like conjured her to do some crazy ass yeah. shit right you know <laughs> I,
2: I tried to, I tried to direct a production of it when I was in like high school and it, we unfortunately didn't get to actual performances, but Aww. the way I had the, is this a dagger I see before me scene was like, actually like the witches were like around Macbeth holding the dagger and it was sort yeah. of, it brought them into that scene and that idea of they were also the ones, cause they're, the witches only sort of make suggestions and they unleash this ambition and murderousness in Lady Macbeth and Macbeth and you know she's first egging him on and then there's that wonderful scene where the power dynamic shifts and he's when he decides to kill Banquo
0: yeah and that's she's, my favorite
2: favorite yeah. speeches is, is when he kind of goes into that darkness is and he ends with I pr- pretty follow me and so they're both like pushing each other to the extremes and then she kind of develops a conscience mm-hmm. and his mm-hmm. is gone by the end of the yep. show and that's yep. the, the tragedy of Macbeth hmm hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. It's such an interesting play, though, in terms of the witches, in terms of the Scottish setting in because of the how and why it was written, because this was from Queen Elizabeth has died and Shakespeare's now writing for King James, the first and sixth, and Mm -hmm. he is from Scotland. So he's like, oh, going to do a Scottish play. Yeah. And this guy really hates witches. So (laughs) it's. Let's put some witches in there because yeah, he's witches right with. in there. Yeah,
0: and also the audiences love witches. Yeah, they were
2: they good. love them. Love a witch, yeah. And so, like the um the witches in Macbeth, like are, we don't have many other. We have a lot of magical, mystical creatures and sorcerers in Shakespeare, but we don't have many other witches. But these mm-hmm. are probably his most prominent magic user characters, I guess, other than Prospero.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to think of what Elizabeth is first, what her feeling was about witches and that maybe she didn't like them or she was just really a big fan of fairies and, you know, the kind of the, the uh, what late, like the kind of the phonic characters, Um, but she was, but maybe I'd be curious to see what, if, if anything out there is about her feelings about witches, you know, Uh, and for
2: this play, Shakespeare drew so much on like popular, folklore and beliefs and language
0: mm-hmm.
2: my favorite like bit of trivia is that in the double double bo- uh, toil and trouble scene all those things they're putting in the cauldron yes. those are all just folk names for herbs yes almost all of them yeah uh-huh. so like adder's fork and blind worm sting are all just herbs yeah they just have cool
1: names they yeah. just have like creepy names that you know that make them mm-hmm. seem like something that they're not yeah you know. so I wonder how. not much- that isn't yeah. that so common though? Like, I mean, I feel like a lot of times people are like, you put what in what? And I'm like, Oh no, that's just like a, a folk name or like, a, or like a mythological name for a very basic herb. Yeah. You know, I, I have newt is just like mustard seeds. Yes. Yeah. I have, yeah. I have
2: newt in my like little apothecary
1: over there. It's, it's good, but it's so great. I'm like, I'm going to add some have newt just, just yeah. because yeah. it's like, you know, it, it builds on that image of like, witches are doing this creepy thing where they're putting eyes in the, you know, and it's like, no, no, it's just, a, it's just the plant, mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. seed. Mm-hmm. And so oh. it makes
0: me wonder like what, what um, the audience would have known about these herbs and whether they would have known exactly what because I mean, no. they probably were more like, I mean, I don't know, these, a lot of these people were urban folk. And so they may not have had access to these herbs. Right. Right. And so they, and, um, it wasn't like they could, you know, freaking look it up on their phones or, you know, or, uh, um, probably most of them were illiterate. So they didn't necessarily have, uh, you know, access to books and things. So it might've been right, super, right. but then also if, if people that were outside of that, that knew the, the um the qualities of these herbs if they also then would then know exactly what the magic was for like oh they're gonna stir up some serious trouble that yeah. way double, yeah. double,
2: double 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 double
0: trouble i do wonder if like shakespeare like
2: what kind of research he did did he go to like an herbalist or an apothecary be like give me your 20 weirdest names i'm going <laughs> and and then i have to find stuff to rhyme with them so it's gonna get weird
0: yeah. Like well, some of them are just like, this just rhymes. Well, he had, at least he had, a, he spent some time in a summer home from what I recall. So um, he may have been, had access to that. Yeah. Anyway. He probably yeah. had access to that. And he, he, he was pretty wealthy. He probably had people that were cooking for him. So he could probably ask about that kind of thing, yes. you know,
2: but it's all, it's all quite mysterious and it but it makes for some wonderful theater. Now, have
0: you, either of you
2: ever performed in Macbeth? Because you're both no. theater nerds like me. Sadly,
0: no. The one the one Shakespeare piece I was in was Taming of the Shrew. Hillary and I were both in that.
1: Now, who did you guys play?
0: Uh, I played the widow. I had a small
1: role. What did I was like? I don't know. I was the haberdasher or something like that. We were, I'm freshmen, sure. and, we were, freshmen, we were freshmen and sophomore. Yeah, we were we like, no. a- it was my first. I didn't do any theater in freshman year. And so I got into theater in my sophomore year um and like that was the play we were doing so I was like yep sounds good oh no wait that's is that true no that's not true I did do I did Fiddler on the Roof in my freshman year uh but yeah but yeah it was like uh I mean I've never I mean I am familiar with some of from the opera some of the arias um but I've never performed a stage production no
2: Uh, Yeah, like I said, I tried to do a production, all women in high school, and it just didn't work out like the timing, we couldn't get the theater. It was really fun to kind of attempt that with all female cast. Um, I did. I've never done Taming of the Shrew, but I did Kiss Me Kate in college.
1: Oh, yeah, I love Kiss Me Kate. I've done Kiss Me Kate.
2: And I said, I got to be Kate. That was like
1: my pinnacle of my theatrical career. So good. It's like, I, I have uh, so many of my students do kiss me, Kate, sing Kate, because I think it's like such a good role and the music is amazing. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a great production. Who does not
2: identify with the, with the iconic song. I hate
1: men. I hate men. No, my students, like like
2: every time one of my students sings that I'm like, yes, (laughs) that was our audition song for that. Like you came in and did that. And like, that's the only audition where I came in. I just like knew that song down, had it. And I had the attitude and I just like knew I had nailed that audition.
0: Like, <laughs> was yes. so right. I'm like, I do not get this part
2: there's when, no justice in the world.
0: When I was in college, I had designs to direct a black box production of Macbeth. That was a statement on the Bush administration. Ooh. And I Ooh. wanted the witches to be like cast them to, to exemplify Bush, Cheney, and Rumsfeld. Oh my um, I'm really glad I did it. Cause looking back, it would have been really bad. Cause I remember some of my, my takes and my concept and a lot of it was based in like, you know, the conspiracy, the conspiracy theories that time around the or the sources of 9-11. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really glad I never produced that because I just would have been like, it would have been probably one of the greatest cringe moments of my life. I think somewhere that the and, you know, my teachers were supportive. They're like, well, here's how you could look at it. Here's how you could do this. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some wonderful productions of it, most of them down in the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, which yes, those of you who don't live in the Pacific Northwest in the town of Ashland, Oregon, down right by the California border, there's an incredible Shakespeare Festival.
1: Yeah, it's they very well good. Like-
2: Fifteen plays a year, like for nine months, and I've seen like big productions in their big like open air Elizabethan theater. When they did that, uh, I did a backstage tour, and they said, "Yeah, there's a bat that shows up and flies around all the spotlights and stuff, but it only would show up for Macbeth." Wow! Oh. <laughs> it's like okay. So that was my favorite Macbeth trivia from the oh, I Ashland.
1: Love that. So get that feels fitting. You're like that seems about right. That 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 sounds right. I mean, sometimes I think these like curses or these like, I mean, again, like there's a lot of superstition in theater. Like people are like, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't, you know, like don't ever say these words. Don't. And it, I mean, you know, it's like, do I think that if, I mean, like, do I, do I think that there's some validity validity in that? Like, I don't know. Am I going to say it? No. Why would I just, why would I be the asshole that's like, fuck this. And then like, what if something happens? So I'm one of those people with superstitions that, I don't always believe that the superstition is there, but I also respect that what that the, the context is and try to just like not fuck with it because there are some people for that in that, in that way that are so, so affected by superstition. If they're paranoid about it, they're terrified about it. They go out of their way to avoid things that are supposed to be bad luck. You know, all yeah. well, of that.
0: It's something about the ritual and tradition of honoring, yes. honoring the superstition that I feel is, is it's like part lovely of and unifying. So I, yeah. I, I appreciate. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people that's like, well, I respect the superstition for the tradition, and also I'm and also I'm scared of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: In a way, I think theater is very much kind of like the performance of witchcraft or doing witchcraft because you are mm-hmm. summoning these emotional forces. You are depicting these huge, powerful scary moments in people's lives and it's impossible to like do that without being somewhat affected you know you're macbeth like there's like dead babies in macbeth like it yeah, is a dark dark, dark show. it is dark and it's hard not to take that darkness with you and for it to like affect you and you know you definitely i you were talking on a recent episode of that witch life about how your recent production you were in, the, oh my God, the Pariah, pariah felt a bit cursed, and you talked about yeah, bringing you know, the chaotic <laughs> energy. You need to cleanse after your time. At she season. got rats
0: to eat my car. I pariah did. got pariah. rats to eat my car.
1: Pariah's a real bitch. Uh, you know, it's the thing is though is again, I mean, I think that's very true in and of itself. It's right along those same lines, which is like you're like hmm, this series of very, very interesting and seemingly like related events have happened and so like you're like well pariah we drummed up all this chaotic energy so on and so forth i mean i definitely think that you know you can through theater through performance through any kind of art drum up or pull up a tremendous amount of chaotic energy do i think that that's a curse Mm, i don't i don't think so but like i do believe that Um, I really do believe that when you're working with specifically contexts that are like dark, like Macbeth, um, everything about that show is dark. Right. So it's like, there's, there's a lot in there contextually that, you know, yeah. If, if things, if weird things started happening, whether they're, you know, related or unrelated, it's going to be easy to draw a line because you're like, Ooh, we're dealing with this really dark context, you know? And so I think, Mm -hmm. and, and when I know for me and, for a number of other people, you know, when we're in, when we're in these roles, you're really in it. Like part of your job as an actor or an actress, part of your job as a singer, right. Is, is to, is to embody whatever character you're playing. So you can imagine that if you're having to get in the headspace of someone that's committing murder or that is doing something dark and scary, right. That, that you're going to drum up some level of energy of that.
0: Yes. And yeah. so
1: I think that like because in order for us to access that, it's a combo of drawing from our own deep darkness and also relating it to what we know of others. So it's like it is also bringing up a lot of your own shit. So it's kind of like you have to I feel like doing a little bit of spiritual hygiene in those scenarios yeah. is always a good idea. And there's like that.
2: And that's why, you know, Courtney, you talk about like the ritual of theater is like the ritual, of like beginning a play. Like I've done a lot of plays where we all circle up and yes. make a circle before and you know you kind of build that energy you do warm ups yep. together and then at the end of the day when you take off your costume and you kind of shake it off like that's a ritual as well and you sort You're of yeah. leaving everything you,
1: behind when you leave yeah, yeah it's
2: like leaving the circle it's very it's very magical and when you think of the way it is theater as we know it started it was part of a ritual it was part of the festival like greek theater started as tributes to Dionysus or other gods. Mm -hmm. It was very magical and sacred thing. And so there's definitely a connection, I think, to our witchcraft in theater and that, you know, being in the theater is being between the worlds. You are looking into another world. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So talking about the Greeks, can we talk about Hecate? Yes. So so, Courtney, your most recent book is Hecate, Goddess of Witches by Wiser Books. It is fantastic. I just adored this book. It's like made a big difference in my life and in like my spiritual practice. So just, you know, kudos there. Thank you so much. I'm delighted. And so this is actually one of the few places in like literature that Hecate actually shows up outside of like Greek. And a lot of the time she gets cut out though. Like I've I've seen so many productions of Macbeth. I've most of the time Hecate's scenes are cut out. And so what do you think of the way she's portrayed in this play and how Sometimes it doesn't work for the dramatic flow. No.
0: Of it, well, to be honest, it really doesn't work for the play. Yeah. And there's there's um, a number of scholars that believe that um, the Hecate scene was written later after the original production was produced and that it wasn't written by Shakespeare. And so, but basically, yeah, their the thought is that it was fan service, that the witches were so popular that they um, that they were like we need another witch scene so let's let's write a witch scene and and what what are we gonna do well let's have them summon Hecate let's just really go for it, and I think where it's problematic in um, just a, a theatrical sense is it kind of pigeonholes the witches into evil beings right just kind of like you were talking about evil beings that started this and it it removes the potential for the witches to be in Macbeth's head. For the Mm -hmm. witches to just be observers for i mean i've heard of productions where these witches were like were done with um with modern day wiccans in mind and that they yeah and that they weren't actually causing it as much as they were like watching it and prophesizing it and speak and like you know kind of narrating the story so i feel like with the insert yeah i feel like with the insertion of Hecate it takes away those, those possibilities. Um, so, cause then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, these witches are up to no good and they're taking their orders from this evil queen of the witches and they're going to destroy the world based on Hecate's thing. So um, I love that Hecate shows up in there and I don't have a problem with the way she shows up because in many Greek myths, she does show up as a source of mayhem and terrifying things. So that, I mean, it is true to some some of her legacy to show up in that mm-hmm. way. Um, but I also don't have a problem with certain productions cutting it, especially depending on how they want to use the witches in this this piece. And also because it's very likely that it was fan service and, um, you know, not really part of the original yeah. script. <laughs>
2: the, the quality of her lines, definitely you can tell, like, you're like, this is fine, but th- yeah, definitely isn't quite at the same level though. I know he- Hecate is mentioned also in Midsummer Night's Dream, just mm. to know, like, you know, in Puck's, one of his final speeches, he says, you know, and we shadows that do run by the triple Hecate's team from the presence mm-hmm. of the sun following darkness like a dream. And that associates Hecate when that, in Shakespeare's mind with the Fae and the other crowd. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like insight, like what was Shakespeare's conception of Hecate and like, or the, you know, renaissance english conception of her well it seems with to the be association of fairies or witches
0: uh, i seems to be that at least in shakespeare's view hecate um or hecate they're, they're both they're both correct was a source of um of wickedness and negative mayhem because like in macbeth um, he says to Lady Macbeth, there's comfort, yet they are assailable. Then, th- then be thou jo- jocund, ere the bat hath flown, his cloistered flight ere to black Hecate summons, the shard beetle with his drowsy hums. Um, Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I just got the little thing. <laughs> it's like, oh, we've removed the 40 minute time limit. I'm like, I didn't know that was a yeah. thing. The shard born beetle with his drowsy hums hath rung nights yawning peel and there be done a neat of a deed of dreadful note. So I feel like Shakespeare puts her in the story when she is, um, you know, when you want to, source someone who's up to no good so perhaps Puck was saying that yes yeah, sometimes the fairies are not always good hearted and sometimes they can be troublesome oh, and the so I
2: hope all oh, midsummer is not just like fucking with the mortals Exactly
0: for <laughs> and, and they- for just for fun
2: <laughs> And over on to Tanya, they're arguing the whole the whole play starts because they're arguing over a child they kidnapped and who gets yeah. to keep the child they kidnapped Right they love the, the the fae in midsummer but they're not like morally
0: No they're not they're morally bereft and I think that's where Macbeth that sees that and so you know, Shakespeare was a pretty educated guy. He'd probably read quite a bit of mythology and um, you know, had his his opinions about her. I would I'd be surprised if the common Elizabethan of that era knew much about Hakate at all. Um, yeah. maybe they knew something, or perhaps you know, her name was thrown around when it came to wickedness or or what have you. But I don't I doubt that there was a tradition of of blaming Hakate for things that were commonly blamed on the devil and then again that's another thought that maybe they they really couldn't discuss the devil in these plays if that was considered to be too dark and dangerous so they might like associate put hakate in as like a surrogate lucifer because these yeah. were all christian people that would probably that may have at the time had some real fears that's a good about, point yeah, yeah. Has, had some real fears about speaking the name of the devil um and so they, it's like but you can say hakate because she's not real you know yeah least not exactly them, so
2: And like I haven't read or seen Dr. Faustus, Christopher Marlowe's most famous paper, but like the devil is certainly a character in the Faust legend, but they kind of call him the Mephistopheles or they call call him other things. And
0: yeah. He's just sort of
2: like a trickster, sort of screwing with and and he's also the whole point of the Faust legend is like and the Faust gets screwed over and it's bad.
0: (laughs) Right. And I mean, I guess we would also have to like trace the legacy of who. Of who people believed the devil was or Satan was mm-hmm. back in Elizabeth in England, because honestly, a lot of our modern connection connotations of Satan are relatively modern, like the last oh, two hundred yeah. years. So they may not have even seen him in that way. Like I don't know, it's there's a lot of of stuff we could geek out on, and always makes me wish I could get a couple PhDs just to explore all these things. <laughs> uh,
2: like totally. I am thinking, like, what if I got a PhD in folklore? Like yes. history or something like I'm like oh I already have still paying off all my other student debt so
0: that's where it, that's same where it, you know it's like like oh. you like
1: want to do it but then you're also like mm, do I want to do it enough to be another h- yeah. tens of thousands of dollars in debt maybe like, not. and then I'd have to like learn Greek eventually yeah <laughs> which would be cool but which would be fucking cool. I could when I couldn't even say
0: it's Greek to me anymore. Right. Well, you probably could be like, well, it's a certain kind of Greek that I don't understand. Yeah. It's ancient or it's middle Greek to me. It's
2: middle Greek to me. Maybe I could like work <laughs> on deciphering linear B. That's how nerdy I am about the stuff.
0: And it's lovely. I love it.
2: So do you have a favorite scene of the witches in Macbeth? Like or a favorite or a favorite scene in Macbeth, it doesn't involve them. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in this You know.
0: Play. I think my favorite cuz there's just so much to play with here is when Lady Macbeth is first convincing Macbeth that he should that he should go he should he should make a run for being king. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's so commonly misinterpreted. Um there's so much like, I want to dig through the script and actually find the right thing but I know we don't have that much time. Um there's so much everyone's like oh just make her jealous and things but she she references some really intense sacrifices she's made for him. Yeah, yeah, and she's kind of as if to and, should, and also with the thing with the dead babies, and she says, "You know, I would kill our children for this," which makes me wonder mm-hmm. if she had caused her own abortions um, or put off bearing a child for a long time because maybe that's like, "Oh, we're not ready. We can't do this right now. We can't do that right because I need. You know, if we do this now, then our child will not be. You know." in great form or whatever. And then it's a sense in which she is like, you owe this to me because of the sacrifices I've made for you. And the fact that he's always seeing dead children or there's dead children that's referenced a lot makes me wonder if maybe that's part of their story. And also I feel like Macbeth gets off on being humiliated by his wife.
1: Uh, same, agree. Absol-
0: I, I, I think it would be really interesting to do this play with a, like a BDSM sense. Cause he's oh, so, yes. he's so powerful and he's general. So his kink is probably like getting walked on by his wife's high heels, like getting his face stepped to- on. Yeah. You know, be, yeah. I could see that he gets, cause everyone's like browbeaten like, don't do browbeaten have him be aroused. Like he loves it when she tears him down, you know, and she does it cause it's part of their kink, but also she's like, but also at the same time, buddy, I have given up a lot for you, for your career. So you do owe this to me. And that's how she's like, so I think there's a lot of, of things to play with. And then I wonder if there becomes a certain point within the story, because it's like, yeah, that he goes too far. And there's a part where she says, well, I I wanted, uh, you know, I, I did it like, it's like, okay, you you didn't stop. You didn't honor my safety word, you know, or, yeah. our safety code. You broke through that. And that's like, you know, violating to her. But then also um, where she's like, uh, I you know she starts to relive her own trauma
1: because mm-hmm.
0: of you know her father being lost or, or what have you like maybe she killed her own father in order for him to gain more power and now she's like okay you know what actually I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm ready for this after all but he's like no or and it's that then it's like the power dynamics get lost yeah. you know there's so so much to play with here
2: there's so and there's so much like focus on female reproduction too just like in general with like the babies and also the whole like prophecies um Macduff is able to is like the it's very much like AO I have no man it's like I wasn't born of a woman I was untimely ripped from my mother's womb and so like he was born like basically a cesarean section that was not called that yeah and so like that is also like these kind of the terror and scariness of childbirth and childbearing and that was a mm-hmm. very real terror even more I mean it's scary now mm-hmm. but it was, it was even more of a terror then it was like you know maternal death rates.
0: Yeah. Right. Is, is, seriously. So I just, I think there's a lot within their relationship that is so quickly yeah.
2: it's such an interesting relationship. Such
0: a, Yeah. So I, I always read this as lady, Macbeth Beth, is probably getting on in years and she's given up her entire life for her husband success. And then he's like in reach of all the power and all the things he's promised her. And he's, you know, like, Oh, I don't know about that. She goes, excuse me.
1: She's like, now, um, now is
0: the time. I'm
1: going to go with no. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like
0: I'm. Now is the time. And yeah. you know, what have I done for you? But then I think, I think, especially if it leans into them having some kind of kink relationship where her humiliation and her browbeating him is what he loves, you know? That? Yeah. So it's just someday if I, when I have lots of spare time, <laughs> Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it. And see if my, <laughs> my cute little, my cute little Christian town can handle a BDSM Macbeth. I would I come to see it. I'd drive out to
2: McMinnville to see it.
0: Oh my God. I, mean, I like, would be like you know. Know,
2: in the in the audience with a lighter, like,
0: yes, it'd be
2: amazing.
1: <laughs> Hillary, do you have a favorite scene with the witches or without? So in the, okay. So in the opera, I'll, I'll speak on the opera specifically. So the opening scene of the Verdi opera where the, the witches are singing, they the way they orchestrated it is really interesting because it's done rather than three witches, it's three choruses of witches. So there's group, three groups and they're split into multiple harmonies. And the way that that sets the tone of the whole piece is like, I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the most interesting words or context necessarily, but the way that melodically it sets off the entire opera is really magical. It's like, it's it's yeah it's three groups of witches speaking the lines that three witch the three witches would normally do but in multiple harmonies and it's fucking awesome yeah. it's like eerie and interesting and provocative yeah. and yeah
2: I'm gonna see if I can drop the audio in at this point when I'm doing my editing because I, I just want people to hear that and Verities in the public domain, so I don't have to worry about.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's totally and it's so I, that to me, I mean, I I like their representation throughout the opera, but I love the way that that like, it's something that was unexpected because I had seen the play long before I had ever seen the opera. So yeah, like I've when, never I seen the opera. That, when I saw the opening, I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's like groups of witches as a chorus. And it's really it's really neat.
2: I've always actually shied away from like operatic adaptations of Shakespeare. Cause like my point of view is just, he's like no, it's, are- it, it's fine. Like you don't need to do anything to Shakespeare. It's good as an owner. Like the beauty of Shakespeare is in the language, not necessarily the story. It's like the poetry of how they're speaking. Um, like, Gounod, like then there's like, who Ro- Romeo and Juliet that somehow oh. makes it sadder
1: it's worse it's devastating they wake like julia wakes up and they sing for like 10 minutes and then romeo's like oh shit i took some poison yeah no it's like it's like the most devastating like i think that honestly so i saw romeo and julia at the royal national opera and Um, i was sobbing like i was hysterical yeah so i mean the thing is is it depends i i you know i agree that sometimes it one it depends on how the production is done yeah and in general, like I love Shakespeare on its own, but I mean, I also love Verdi. So like, it's like, it is such a powerful, I don't know. His harmonies are so beautiful that it's just Mm -hmm. like the chord structures are gorgeous. And so the opening is like a great way. It always, I don't know. It just always like chills me to hear that represented as a chorus, but I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, I don't know that there's a, I don't know that there's a favorite, seen necessarily um I, but i do so the production that i saw uh the spanish production that i saw in london was uh set up in a like modern mafia family oh and God, it, was, ooh, it was definitely that works really fucking cool dynamic yes yes because it's like, like so, so many murder think, yeah i think of the inner su- corruption and it was like very i mean like it was incredibly graphic. Like there was warnings because there was like graphic depictions of rape of the murder was very graphic. All of it was like incredibly graphic because the director felt like, who are we joking? This is incredibly dark. Mm -hmm. Like, who are we to pretend that like these, that, that these, um, who are we to pretend that these things that are happening are like, why are we lightening them in a lot of productions? And so he really was so graphic in the way that he, presented in Macbeth it was remarkable I mean it was like it really hit you so hard because um I think it much better conveyed the like gravity of some of the things that happened in there that we that we you know in less especially in less modern productions or especially if they're presented in a way that doesn't want to leave the audience traumatized like you know it's I think that they missed some of that some of the darkness sometimes yeah
2: some of the messiness and dirtiness yes of it, like, and also
1: i think we should buck up like <laughs> i think risking
0: traumatizing I, I don't think about not traumatizing but i think risking making the audience uncomfortable i mean there's a big difference between like going into a human experience that's no, very that's devastating and then also just like leaning into yeah, the macabre and, and terrorizing yeah. just because it's for the for its own sake
1: yeah i think mm-hmm. the difference is like is it is it trying to accurate, accurately represent how traumatic an individual thing can be or is it trauma porn yeah. like you know is it yeah. like yeah you're trauma just porn trying, thank you trying to be like the extra nitty gritty and i think that sometimes it is over the top but sometimes the way it's depicted is is accurate. I mean, like these things are serious. The, the gravity of some of the yeah. things that happen in there are heavy. So, like, I think as long as it's not gratuitous, but it's honest and yeah. its representation, like that brutality is kind of is honest.
2: Well, you see this even in Shakespeare's like the progression of his work and career. Like one of his earliest, probably earliest work was Titus Andronicus, which is
1: oh, which is trauma um,
2: porn. It is. It is. It is, it is literal, absolutely trauma porn. It is, and it's and, it's, and it has no redeeming
1: qualities. It's no, like, hardly. It's, like, it's hardly ever done because it's so. Like, and cannibalism
2: and rape and just it is goes. dismemberment have it's, you seen yeah. the julie Taymor? Type yes of? it's yes. a weird movie but
0: they go for it it's they, it's really beautiful but it's it, stunning but i still remember yeah. my my trinidadian theater professor saying i did not like it because she focused on the macabre it's like that's it's a, yes. that's, but you're like
1: literally this whole fucking piece is macabre i mean like the whole yeah. thing is so dark
0: yeah but i feel like actually julie Taymor kind of like she kind of pinpoints that because it's all about this little boy playing war games, yeah, you know, and then just kind of getting obsessed with violence for its own sake and yeah. playing it and not quite understanding. It's a what,
2: juvenile juvenile. Play. And it's,
0: I like to think it was probably a response to, uh, the invasion of Iraq in the early two thousands. Cause it's like a mm-hmm. little boy playing with war toys because you can, yeah. you know, and not actually thinking about what that what kind of suffering is going to be unleashed on the people because you wanted to play with your war toys.
2: Yeah. But so like Titus Andronicus came so early in Shakespeare's career. And then many like decades later, he's writing like Macbeth and Hamlet and all these, all of his like great, many of his great works. And they came after he had experienced a lot of personal tragedy. Like his own Mm -hmm. son Mm -hmm. died, like right. His son named Hamnet died. And then he wrote Hamlet. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that whole play is a meditation about like loss and death and parental relationships Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so you see like how even Shakespeare because who I believe was one real person right he evolved as an artist and I think that's what one of the most interesting things about Mm -hmm. these later plays of his because they're so the darker plays yeah 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 Uh, my final question is like what do you think like the legacy I mean this this the way that the witches are depicted in this show uh, seriously, I think, affected the way people perceived witches for centuries. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, especially I, like when witches coming in threes.
0: Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I I think that it was probably coming from some pretty practical roots. He probably had three actors he could use as witches in that scene, and so he put three in. And also, it's 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 a good like to have three people bouncing lines off of each other creates a good rapport. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Uh, totally. We know all
0: about that on that, witch life podcast, having three mm-hmm. witches bounce things off each other. But, um, I'm, I don't think that Shakespeare was the origin of the witch being the, the negative, mm-hmm. like the scary archetype. I think he was picking up on a lot of what people's common, uh, common approaches were. Um, and I feel like the witch, The witch is always going to be with us in one way or another. And Mm -hmm. right now we're certainly in a, in, um, a time when the witch is, um, is
1: representing power and personal strength. Right. Versus like outcast and danger and yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, but I think that's also, I mean, I think that's also partially in, in, you know, in how people view strong women societally as well, because not that all not that all witches are women. They are absolutely not. But like, you know, that is the image that a lot of people have of witches. And I think that we are, you know, previous in previous generations, the further back you go, you know, probably even more so true. But the, you know, women, women being powerful was deemed as dangerous. It was like, we don't want Mm -hmm. this. We don't want you to have power. And now we're seeing that shift societally where it's like, many more women are feeling empowered and the conversation about women's power is more uh, is, is like more prevalent in the conversations we have. And so I think that that is part of why that's shifting as well, because that like scary female archetype of like what a witch was this like scary, mean, you know, whatever they're yeah. now just like, yeah, she f- finally had a enough of people. Okay. You know? So it's yeah. like, and so that I think that like, as that, I think that is part of it is that, um, I think one, there are people that are like starting to really look outside of mainstream religion and going like, okay, we're kind of over this shit. And so there's that more people being interested. And then on top of that, you know, the shift in, in female empowerment that I think, or the empowerment of women that I think is, um, that plays into that as well. Awesome.
2: Before you go, do you want to read a quick scene? Yeah. Yeah. Which one should we do that? some? should we make a witch's brew?
0: Yeah, which scene is it? Okay.
2: Should do yeah, I'm gonna control, have to control s- control F for yeah. I have Newt.
0: Newt. It's only said once. All right, cool.
1: Wait, hold on. Control. It's act.
0: It's act four, scene one.
1: Yep. Okay, hold on. Let me get down there. Act. What am I in? Act three. Act four, scene one.
2: Scene one. Yes. All okay. right, Courtney. I'm gonna make you. Which one? I'll be two, and I'll- Hillary, you'll- you can be two. And Wait, be I'm like, where
1: is it? Scene one. Okay, I'm still like scrolling. So, scrolling, what
0: scrolling, kind of scrolling. witches are we? Are we old school Shakespearean? Are we California New Age? Um, are we uh, Netflix revival? What are What are we feeling?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know. Let's just let's just go. Let's do our full Shakespeare.
1: Full Shakespeare. Let's witches. do this. All right. Okay. Who's one? Who's two? Who's three again?
2: Uh, uh, Courtney is one. You'll be two. I'll be okay. three
0: okay all right all right oh and, you gave hillary the best line i'm so excited all right see if she and, can do it without laughing i dare you're you you're such I dare a you. bitch you right. are such a bitch all right all right ready ready um yeah thrice the brinded cat hath mewed thrice and once
2: the hedge pig whined harpier cries tis time tis time
0: round about the cauldron grow g- Round about the cauldron go, in the poisoned entrails throw. Toad that under cold stone, days and nights has 31. Sweltered venom sleeping got boiled up first in the charmed pot. Double,
1: double, 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 double toilet toilet trouble,
0: trouble.
1: trouble. Fire, Fire burn and
2: cauldron,
1: cauldron, cauldron bubble. 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 Fillet of Benny's snake in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt and toe frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog. Adder's fork and blindworm sting, lizard's leg and owlet's wing. For a charm of powerful trouble, like a hellbroth boil and bubble. Double, double, double toil, toil and trouble. And trouble.
2: Fire, Fire, burn and, and cauldron. cauldron.
0: Bubble.
2: scale of dragon tooth of wolf which is mommy ma and gulf of the raven's salt sea shark root of hemlock digged in the dark liver of a blaspheming jew gall of goat and slips of you silvered in the moon's eclipse nose of turk and tartar's lips fingers of a birth strangled babe a ditch delivered by a drab make the gruel thick and slab and there to a tiger's cauldron for the ingredients of our cauldron. Final time. Double, 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 double toil and, and trouble.
1: trouble. Fire, Fire burn, 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 and, and
2: cauldron, cauldron bubble. bubble. <laughs> I just love a goat king slower. And slower.
1: <laughs> cool it with a baboon's blood, then the charm is firm and good.
2: And then hokate enters into,
1: into Thank you
2: guys so much for taking the time to talk with us. You're Macbeth so welcome.
1: Me. Oh my god, we love this.
2: This is great. I love geeking it's out awesome. on the stuff. Me too. And yes, we, everyone needs to listen to that witch life podcast. And you're online at what's your that Twitter? Is just w- that witch life.
1: That witch life. And uh, we're uh, you can find us at thatwitchlife.com. Uh, we're on Twitter and inst- Instagram and Facebook. Yes. Um, so come connect with us we have some fun episodes we're always talking about weird and wonderful things and being total weirdos and very funny
2: yay thank you. thank you guys so much thanks again for listening to Real Magic if you like the podcast please do leave us a rating or review wherever you listen but especially if it's on Apple Podcasts if that's your chosen medium you can follow this uh, on social media at Real Magic Pod and you can find me on Twitter where I'm fangirling Jess If you like my work, remember that my book The Binge Watcher's Guide to Supernatural is available all over online as a print or an ebook, but just be warned it is 550 pages so the print book can double as a pretty substantial weapon. We'll be back in two weeks for another episode and friends I am so excited about this one and this guest because we'll be talking about one of my favorite series about magic from recent years and it's going to be awesome. But until then, have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. If that's what you're doing, you're part of the world. Stay safe, stay magical. And remember, if you're in a theater, just call it the Scottish play. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye cruel world. Goodbye cruel world. Um, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. 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 Tonight. Goodbye. all of us.